Welcome to the Stress Nanny Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Miller, and I'm delighted that you're here. Today, I'm going to make the case that mindfulness has become an essential skill. One that, if you have not practiced it to this point, it is no longer an option, but rather required. The work that we are all being asked to do right now in terms of cultivating awareness around our own thinking, our own biases, and entrenched racism is an invitation for all of us to dig a little deeper into the way that we approach the world. I want to give you seven reasons why mindfulness can help you do this. And I really just want to encourage you to adopt a practice of mindfulness. Even if it's a short and small one, it really is crucial right now. And I'm going to go through why I believe that in the next few minutes. When I was a junior in college, I had the opportunity to work with the Freshman Academy at Brigham Young University, and we were a group that was doing research and also facilitating student interaction during um, a time when group learning and peer learning was kind of coming into vogue a little bit more. So one of the things that we did as a group was to facilitate these peer learning groups among the students. And we also prepared research so that we could be part of the conversation around what peer learning looked like, what best practices were, and how it had an impact on the students. One of the things that kept coming up frequently during that time was an idea, this idea of metacognition. And at the time, it was a foreign concept to me. I'd never heard it before. And so I was going through these different research articles trying to help kind of piece together best practices. And I kept coming across this term metacognition. And so as I read and continued to do research, I realized that it was thinking about thinking. Or in that case, it was thinking about learning. So we spent a lot of time looking at patterns and looking at um, the overarching systems that went into this peer learning dynamic that we were setting up. It was one of my first forays into self-awareness. When I started to kind of step back from my own thought patterns and my own tendencies and biases and started to look at it with a little bit more um, objectivity, I could see things that I wasn't able to see in the thick of my own thinking. Um, Fast forward another 10 or 15 years and I was introduced to the practice of meditation And that practice, while life-changing, certainly had its roots in that metacognition principle, the idea that you're thinking about your thinking. And you're kind of like taking what's on your brain and putting it out in front of you and kind of sifting through it and looking at where there are some patterns, where you can make improvements, what needs to be kicked out altogether, and then what's really serving you well. As I did research on metacognition in those early days of college, I found myself just really curious because once you start opening up that way of thinking, you you realize you become aware of a lot of different things. And it's kind of mind-boggling to see see things in a way you hadn't seen them before. In the last few weeks as I've participated in learning about anti-racism as I've 
um, been diving into different resources, books and podcasts and training classes and webinars and videos and trying to educate myself, I've been reminded a lot of this idea of metacognition, thinking about how we're thinking and the opportunity that's ours right now to put our thoughts kind of on the table in front of us like I did as a junior in college and sift through them. Look at them objectively and kind of see what's there, what's not serving us at all, what's harmful to other people, what's working really well, and then what could be tweaked a little bit to work better. One of the ways that mindfulness enables and allows us to do this, to practice metacognition, is it brings to us the opportunity to be more self-aware. So you can metacognate about things that are like outside of you. Think about someone else's learning or think about learning patterns in a group. But when you practice metacognition on your own thinking, you have to, by nature, kind of sift through your own patterns and look at the way that you think. One of the conversations that I was having this week with one of my sisters was around this idea of um, critical thinking and how in order for us to navigate right now and come out better, come out with growth, come out with more compassion, come out with more equality, we have to be able to dive into this like deep critical thinking. And so if you haven't had that practice before, mindfulness is certainly a bridge to it. It can help us all to do the work of sifting through what we're thinking, patterns and biases that we may take for granted, and then kind of just lay them out and help us look at what's productive and what is not. I know as I've done that this week with my own thoughts, it's been really humbling in so many ways. And it's a practice that I'm committing to going forward, just having heightened awareness. So the first thing that mindfulness can do is just really introduce us to the practice of metacognition and allow us to get comfortable thinking about our own ways of thinking. Along that same line, it enables us to practice self-awareness. So when you start thinking about your own thinking, you get comfy with your patterns and you start to see how you have, um, certain patterns that crop up um, consistently. You start to notice which thoughts are kind of your Achilles heel. You notice what things you do really well. And you notice where you have room for improvement. And so along those lines, when we practice self-awareness, it it can initially feel like a selfish practice or something that we're not, um, it doesn't feel super productive. But the beauty of it over time is that you can start to sift through what's there with a more keen eye toward what needs to go and what needs to stay. So while mindfulness can introduce us through metacognition to the practice of looking at our thinking, self-awareness, the ability to identify facets of our own thought patterns, our own mental systems, allows us to more effectively interact, shift, and sift through those systems. Another thing that mindfulness does is promote self-compassion. So right now, uh, especially in the light, in light of so many realizations about, you know, like things that I've done or said that have been racist or ways that I've interacted that felt really innocent to me, but in reality were perhaps hurtful. Those are things that require us to really sit in a place of self-compassion. 
Brene Brown has been talking a lot over the last few weeks about shame and how so many of us feel pretty intense shame when we are become aware of things that we've said or done that were racist because we don't want to be. That's not our intention. But in based on her work, when we feel shame, our our gut reaction is either to get angry or to run away. We tend to react really, really strongly to shame. And so right now, as we're working through thoughts that may lead us down a path of shame pretty consistently, it's so crucial for us to be compassionate with ourselves, to be able to notice when we've not done something that maybe, you know, we've hurt someone or we've contributed to a problem more than what we thought we did, to be able to um, give ourselves um, some space to grow. And recognize that by recognizing it, we're already making a change. And then from there, we can just keep going and build momentum. But some of the different ways that we can practice self-compassion on like a more internal level are when we're meditating, what we do is we kind of let our thoughts float by, right? We become the observer of our thoughts and we focus on our breath. When we do that, a lot of things float by and frequently when most people start meditating, what floats by a lot is self-deprecating thoughts. So we think things about ourselves that are not very positive. We might be really attuned to our flaws. We might be really attuned to our looks. We might, whatever it is, there, there tend to be a lot of thoughts that float through our head that are negative in nature towards our own self. If that's your experience, what your um, opportunity is in that moment is to practice self-compassion. And as you breathe, acknowledge those thoughts and let them go down your river. You don't have to drag them out of the river. You don't have to be beating yourself over the head with them. And I think it's the same with thoughts that we can have right now around um, racism. And if there are things that we have done, things that we have said that were, you know, as we are learning that we're not ideal, that we can acknowledge. Definitely, we have to acknowledge and we have to learn, right, what to do differently next time. But then after that, it doesn't serve us so much to just stew over the ways that we've done wrong as individuals, right? It doesn't do us so much good to just sit there and wallow in it and then need support for it and then um, make that our focus. Because if we can just be compassionate with ourselves and gentle with ourselves in those moments and acknowledge where we've done wrong, make reparation when possible, and then move on, it will allow us to be problem solvers and not get stuck. One of the things that we have the potential for right now is just to feel kind of stuck with despair and frustration and anger and just not kind of know what to do with any of it. And so the more we can practice self-compassion and be gentle and just do better when you know better, that's what Maya Angelou said, when you know better, do better, do good. And when you know better, do better. So when, when we can come to a higher way of being and necessarily acknowledge some of our faults and our past mistakes, just be gentle with yourself and recognize that the more you can offer compassion to yourself, the more you're going to be able to offer it to other people. So that's the one of the other ways that meditation and mindfulness can be so helpful right now and I think are essential. The other um, place, and I touched on it earlier, is that it promotes critical thinking. It gives us the space to process. 
Right now, I think in order for us to really attune to what's going on and to make significant shifts, we have to be able to practice critical thinking. We have to be able to look at something from different sides. We have to be able to sift through opinions and look at things that resonate with us. We have to be willing to look at things that don't resonate with us. We have to be willing to sit with uncomfortable emotions around what we may or may not have done, known, said, or been. And in order for us to do that, we have to take this space of critical thinking. We really have to dive into a higher level of understanding how we impact others, what our small actions uh, add up to, and then what large systemic actions trickle down and the way that they impact individuals and societies. And so as we can kind of go from top to bottom in this really high level view of what anti-racism looks like down to like the very basic like human interaction level for our own self, we're practicing critical thinking. And as we do that and ask questions and figure out outcomes and look at what still needs to be figured out and look at what's already been sorted through, we have the opportunity, again, to just work with the way that we think. And where there are moments where we might have accepted information before from sources unwittingly, maybe look at whether those sources deserved our trust. And similarly, if there are voices we haven't listened to, maybe consider whether those voices need to be heard. At the end of the day, we're going to take a, like, uh, we're going to amalgamate all of that, right? And we're going to look at it through the lens of what we can do, what's sustainable for as a culture and as an individual. And then we're going to take action. In order for us to do that, it really is helpful to be able to just cultivate this space of mindfulness because it helps us to take intentional action. That process of critical thinking and working through options and coming to solutions, um, it necessitates just letting go of some things and then really attuning to others. And so as we do that, we can take action that feels more sustainable and intentional. And so in that vein, having a mindfulness practice is so important. The next thing that I wanted to talk about is how mindfulness promotes growth. So when we practice mindfulness, the idea is that we are continually evolving and becoming better versions of ourselves. And that mindfulness just is a practice of small refinements. So when small things or patterns come up in our practice of mindfulness or meditation, we acknowledge them. And then if they are something that tr- that's true, that resonates with us, it enables us to just have a way to incorporate steady growth into our life. So frequently we can like maybe perhaps experience growth when we're taking a specific academic course or maybe we have a religious practice where growth is a place that we, you know, connect with spiritual learning weekly or daily. Maybe we have um, taken the opportunity to be part of a group of some sort that is committed to growth. Maybe we're part of a team You know, there are a variety of ways that we grow. We grow in our occupation, professionally. In those moments, it's like easier in a group sometimes for that growth to be guided, right? If there's a path and a clear like metric and benchmarks or taking tests, you're showing mastery of knowledge or at least comprehension, there's a path for growth. Sometimes as individuals, that path is not as clear. 
And so it might be like a stop start, or it might be dependent on something external or something that's like forced from the outside for you to grow. And what mindfulness can do is it can invite you to growth every day. So just the very act of sitting down each day and practicing mindfulness and meditation is an invitation to growth. It's a chance to sit with yourself, to sit with your patterns, and to make it a little bit better. To make it a little bit better. And at the end of the day, that's what an anti-racism education would do, right? That's what Austin Channing Brown talked about with Brene Brown this week. Just doing small things to improve and like taking the taking the incentive, the motivation to grow. And right now it's very strong, right? There's like a strong cultural motivation. Like we're all feeling really motivated to understand and to grow. And I think that in those moments, it can be, you know, really empowering and it can feel like there's a ton of momentum behind it. And I, what I've read over and over is the concern is that like once the big wave kind of crashes and people's attention starts to scatter, that it won't be a consistent um, steady effort toward uh, the kind of compassionate change that that many of us are hoping for. And so when we commit to a mindfulness practice, we can commit to making that steady change part of every single day. And every time we sit down and kind of sit with ourselves, we have the opportunity to grow again and to notice again how we can become better, what patterns we might be facing. And then the thing is, too, when we step off of our cushion and we're out in the world after we've meditated, we find ourselves with like awareness that settles on us as a result of our meditation and the the space that we create in our meditation like learning finds it throughout the day so when we create that space in the morning opportunities for growth manifest themselves during the day and then they have a spot to land with us right like we've already invited growth by practicing in the morning and kind of opening ourselves up and so when we when we move from this space right now we can commit to that steady growth by practicing mindfulness and meditation daily. One of the other things that has been crucial for me, at least over the past few weeks, is the ability to process emotion. There have been a lot of emotions running through this body of mine. I could tell you that. And I alluded to some of them earlier. One of the things that I have repeatedly thought is if I didn't practice meditation and mindfulness, what would this look like for me right now? Because I've been awash in them so often and there have been so many coming so fast and the realizations are deep and the awareness is like hitting me on so many levels. And I've been so grateful that I practice meditation because when the, when the emotions come up, I can identify them and I can sit with them. One thing that meditation helps you do is sit with strong emotion. So frequently, strong emotion, we kind of maybe numb it or we tend to shy away from it and it can be really hard to sit with. And meditation and mindfulness coupled with yoga really can help us to move things, like move our body in ways that emotion can be released, to breathe in ways that let emotion be released. And as we've navigated this stretch of time, I took a training last week that was an anti-racist course and it had breath work as part of it. Like now that you're aware of all this stuff and now that you're sitting in all this awareness, let's kind of move it through you. And 
it's a little bit esoteric, right? It's a little bit, um, it's more subtle than like a physical practice, but the process of being able to, I just even identify what you're feeling is key right now, because if you don't, it, it can feel just like overwhelm constantly. Right. And I've talked to a lot of people and that's where they're at is they're just feeling completely overwhelmed. I mean, and I've had my days of overwhelm for sure. I also feel like I've really up-leveled my yoga and mindfulness over the last couple of weeks because it's been crucial. Because so much is going through me that I have to have a way to process it. And so I would invite you, if you're feeling overwhelmed especially, to just start to sit. And it can be hard and there's so much to sit with right now. And maybe a guided meditation would be better for you right now. But having the space for these emotions to kind of work, to work through them and for to sit with them can really be beneficial when there's this much emotion flying around. My last point, which I feel like is one of the basic teachings of mindfulness and meditation is to keep trying. One of the things we learn when we meditate is that we all stink at meditation. None of us are good at it. I've talked about this before. We all feel like we're doing it wrong because it's hard and our brains are not wired to just sit still and not do anything and breathe. And so we are constantly inviting ourselves back to the practice. We constantly invite ourselves to continue to commit to it. And in that effort, we have a lot of respect and patience for our ability to keep trying. And of all things right now, I think that's one of the key offerings that meditation and mindfulness can give us is this ability to keep trying. Every time we refocus our mind on the breath and on the air moving in and out of our body, we invite ourselves to keep trying. Every time that we sit on our cushion, like, and whether we're restless or whether we're really feeling peaceful or whether it's a short practice or a long one, as long as we showed up that day, we kept trying with our practice. Every time we refocus that energy and refocus that attention on the breath, we keep trying. And as our mind strays and goes off into the, um, furthest dusty corners that it has and starts collecting things there and we invite it back to just be present and come back to the breath we remind ourselves that it's important to just keep trying it's normal to have to keep trying and so as we all continue to navigate forward from here I think that if we just keep trying however it looks we're going to stumble we're going to fall we're going to have to pick ourselves up we're going to have to be patient with each other um, we're going to have to be patient with ourselves, but it's crucial that we all keep trying to do better and keep trying to make a difference. If any of this has resonated with you and you want to chat more, please feel free to reach out. If you need more, um, resources on cultivating a meditation practice, I have on my Facebook page at Vibrant Village Yoga, um, a meditation mini course that you're welcome to access. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And there are plenty of other resources available. There are apps like Insight Meditation Timer, um, Headspace, a lot of great resources out there. But really what I encourage people to do, and I've said this before, is just sit two minutes by your bed before you go to bed. <laughs> just sit and breathe and just keep inviting yourself back into the present moment. And while this present moment is one that we um, are 
sitting in with quite a bit of discomfort right now, many of us, it's so has the potential to be transformative for us as a nation, for like our culture, um, and for us as individuals. And if we take the opportunity to let it transform us and to grow as a result, there can be incredible things that happen. And meditation can help you do that. It can help you take this moment that just feels really raw and uncomfortable and awkward and sad. And it can help you make it into, transform it into growth, transform it into change and transform it into something that is so redemptive. And so I invite you to the practice again, as I have invited you many times, but I invite you especially to the practice now. And if it's not something in your wheelhouse, figure out a way to incorporate it just even a little bit so that you can be a part of this transformative moment in history.